start out by talking to you guys a little bit about how Jeff and I met. I want to set the scene for you. It's 1995. It is the uh, Stillwater High School cafeteria. Um, it is Howdy Week. It is the Howdy Week dance. So Ashley, almost 16-year-old Ashley, has come back from summer break with her Rachel haircut. Oh, yeah. My friends, because uh, as you did in 1995. And so I see across the cafeteria, I see my friend Julie Thompson. She's one of my best friends, and she's getting a piggyback ride from someone. And so she sees me, and she like points and directs the person that's giving her this ride like to come over to me. So they come over to me, and all of a sudden I look up, and I see picture one. I see this guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, 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 look at that guy. Don't look at his shoes, because I don't understand them. And I, did, I didn't understand them in 1995, I do not understand them today. They're like a canvas sandal oh, yeah. situation. But anyway, he wasn't wearing them that night or we probably wouldn't be here. But anyway, so, so this, is, this, this guy comes running up to me and he has Julie on his back and he looks up at me and he has this floppy hair and these like clear bluish green eyes and he looks up at me and he's like, hey, what's up? And that was really it. Like that was it for Ashley. I was done from that moment at the high school how to dance. So I had a boyfriend at the time, which isn't great. I had rekindled, I know, right? 15 15 year romance. And I had rekindled a flame with my junior high boyfriend. I did not feel great about it. And when I saw this one, I really didn't feel great about it. So cut to two weeks later, I've broken up with Will, and I'm going on a date with Jeff Engel. Okay, so Jeff Engel, okay, look at that. Uh huh. Okay, so if you guys know my brothers. <laughs> so Brandon drums at the well from time to time. This was Brandon's 13-year-old birthday. He was the worst. And so it's a wonder that Jeff stuck around. Honestly, he looks like he's not having fun, and he really wasn't. He was helping me chaperone my brother's hayride of a birthday. So, um, so, we, so we started dating, and Jeff called my home, and um, back in those days, we used landlines only. And so parents were like the gatekeepers for dates. Imagine the anxiety, like the sweat. So if you wanted to ask someone out, you'd have to call and talk to their parents. Imagine that, please. Parents, it was a different time. But he persevered, and we went on our first date was after a high school football game. I was on the dance team, so I had on my, uh, my uni. Probably uh, was a sweater on top, 1995. I had on some suntan pantyhose. Um, Jeff was part of a group called the Barebacks, and they were shirtless most football games, regardless of the weather. And they would go out on the field and make at SHS with their bodies on the field. So after the game, Jeff might have still been shirtless, I can't remember. But we went to Arby's, super fancy, uh, because that's where he worked, because he got some kind of a discount there. We ate french fries, and, right? We were so classy, so fancy in Stillwater America. And then we went to the lake, don't be scared, um, to tell ghost stories. But nothing weird, because it was a double date. Okay, so that was our first date, and we continued to date throughout that year. We went to prom together. Next photo, please. Uh-huh. Right? Okay. First of all, don't look at what's happening with me. I don't know. Are my eyes open? God bless you. The eyeliner, the hair, the dress, I don't know. I don't know. But I do want to call your attention to this. Okay. Do you guys know, have you heard the name Stoney LaRue? Yeah, the, the singer. The singer. So Stoney LaRue was a friend of ours in high school, one of Jeff's really good friends. Stoney uh, kind of had a rough background in high school. He didn't have a whole lot of money. And so he was like, I don't have any shoes to wear to prom. 
man. And Jeff was like, oh, just, just wear mine. This is Jeff. This is my Jeff. <laughs> so generous, so kind. And I was like, okay, but you rented those, and what are you going to wear? And he's like, it's fine. It's fine. I will wear my show choir shoes. Show choir at Stillwater High School is a big deal. So, guys, these are jazz shoes. <laughs> these are jazz shoes. Jeff wore jazz shoes to a senior prom. So we dated for that year, and then when he graduated, went to OSU, we broke up, but we, we dated other people, we remained friends, and I'm so glad that we dated other people because um, it really gave me an appreciation for Jeff. No matter who I dated, I always had him in the back of my mind. Um, I dated some guys who weren't really nice to me, and I would always compare them to Jeff. I would think Jeff would never treat me that way. Jeff would never devalue me in that way. Jeff would never get angry with me in that way. And um, so our dating path was not a straight one. Uh, it was kind of windy. There would be moments of like, oh, maybe we should get back together. Maybe we shouldn't. But uh, we always remained really close friends. Um, so what I want to do is quickly see if I can FaceTime Jeff. Because I think it's about time when I told him I could try. Um, let's see. Because I want to get his perspective, too. to do that and we emailed all summer hotmail guys and I have all of those emails and Jeff was kind of distant that summer but I think it was purposeful but all I could think about that summer was I, I just want to see him I just want to get home and see him and so that was what I did the second I got home I drove to see him and I had told myself if we start things back up again this is it like I just I knew it was it and it was we dated for a year got engaged we're engaged for a year got married a year later and so we can put up the wedding picture while I continue this. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Babies. So in this picture, Jeff was uh, 25 and I was 23. So we have now been married 17 years and I have known Jeff Engel for 24 years, which says that he has been part of my life for more than he hasn't, which is the weirdest realization. Like we have truly grown up together. We have built a life together. And as I say, our marriage is not perfect. Our dating life was not perfect. but. We have learned some things along the way, and um, I hope to talk just a little bit more about that if we can make this work. And if not, I'll talk to you about it. And it'll be one-sided and... Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> I can say whatever I want now. <laughs> so Jeff is the worst. <laughs> Being married to him is the worst. Yeah, I, I've heard he's killed people. <laughs> I can't deny it. I mean, he doesn't tell me anything. It's probably for the safety. Okay, we'll wait and see if he'll call back. But, um, so yes, so marriage, uh, we've known each other for longer than we have not. 
Um, oh, I did want to share this with you guys, too. We dated during a really weird time in the church. So we grew up in the weird evangelical subculture of the 90s. Like, you guys can Google this. And some of you have a point of reference for it. So we were in youth group together at Sunnybrook Christian Church in Stillwater. We went through uh, the True Love Waits program together. You guys heard about True Love Waits? Okay. okay, Google it, guys. Um, so True Love Waits was uh, a program in the 90s in which churches were really advocating abstinence and biblical purity for relationships before marriage. And so you would go through this whole program, and then at the end you would sign a pledge, and you got a ring, and you would wear that purity ring, and it was supposed to keep you pure in your relationships and be a reminder, sometimes it worked. But anyway, um, so let me just tell you this, because this is the weirdest, and you guys are going to die a thousand deaths. So part of the True Love Waits program at my, at my church was that one of my best friend's dads was a gynecologist, okay? Oh. Yo, no! Oh, I buckle up. Oh, no. <laughs> this is what they would do to the youth group. And as a youth pastor now, I'm trying to envision myself doing this. They would die. You guys would die. We'd be like, what are you doing? Okay, anyway, I'm going to get to it. So they would break us up into gender, thank God. And they brought in a screen and a slide projector. Guys, they showed us pictures of STDs. STDs. Youth group. I, it's burned into my memory forever. And it was my friend's dad. Okay? So this was a weird time to be dating in the church. There was a book that was really popular at that time called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Have you guys heard about that book? No. No? Well, recently, uh, the guy who wrote that book and his wife separated. And he's since, like, recanted everything he said. But basically, at that time, the rules for dating were don't. But if you have to, don't... Um, be incredibly, yeah, be incredibly strict with yourselves in terms of purity. Don't kiss each other until your wedding day. Don't, I mean, it was incredibly strict. So it was a weird time to be a dating young Christian in the church. So we had all these conflicting messages coming at us. It was, it was wild. Did you believe it all? Um, well, yeah, <laughs> I did. I was, um, it was just to do with like the culture that I was brought up yeah. in. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was a good, I was a good little Christian girl, you know? Um, okay, so I'll just continue on, and if Jeff calls in, he'll call in. But um, here we go, here we go. So I want to say this about Jeff Ingle. Jeff Ingle is the best person that I know. I trust this man implicitly. I respect him so much. Um, I rely on him. He uh, lets me feel that everything's going to be okay. And he doesn't just do this for me and for our kids. He does this for a lot of other people, too. Um, he is uh, he's a boss, and so his team feels that. He is an elder in the church. Um, I, I think the church feels that. And um, he carries a lot of burdens. Um, and I tell our kids all the time, you guys have the best dad in the world. You don't even know. Like, I'm just, I'm so proud to be his wife. I just can't even tell you. So it's such an honor to be talking about him um, in this way. He's just, he's so good. He's too good. He's too good for me. That's the way I feel. I've always felt it. Um, if, if you take nothing else away from tonight, from what I say, I want to jump into this. Know your worth before you start dating someone. Yeah. Know your worth before you start dating someone. And in my, in my mind, I've always called this like doing the prep work. But then the other day I was talking to, uh, Katie was there with Bucky and Suzanne, and we were talking about um, relationships, and, um, and Suzanne put those words to it. She said, you got to know your worth. 
And you really have to do it beforehand. If you don't know your own worth, the person that you date isn't going to know your worth and they're not going to recognize it. And once you get involved with a person, it all goes out the window. Because falling in love is crazy town. Rationality is done, right? That's why we call it falling in love, right? You don't choose to fall down. It just happens to you, just out of nowhere. And so you need to know that you are worthy, that you were created by Almighty God for a purpose, to do things for the kingdom that matter. And so if you don't recognize that in yourself, they're not going to recognize it in you. If you take nothing else away from what I say, take that away. Um, there's a quote that I love, and, and you guys may have heard this one, and, and it's by someone, I don't know who said it, it's an anonymous quote, but it is, nobody's perfect until you fall in love with them. When you fall in love with somebody, you can excuse a lot of bad behavior because they're perfect in your eyes. They really are, especially in the beginning. And so when uh, we're willing to excuse a lot of bad behavior, so when we don't know our worth, the red flags are harder to recognize, especially early on. And so some red flags that I want to just bring up quickly, just some warning signs in a relationship. Um, the first one that I see a lot, and um, this one just breaks my heart, but it's one-sidedness. When you are the only person in the relationship putting in the effort, you got to address that. And if it's not remedied, you got to get out. Because when you date as a believer, when you try to uh, pursue a godly relationship, you got to think of it in terms of marriage, and the stakes are really high. Marriage is for a lifetime. One person for a lifetime. So if you're the only person pursuing someone in the relationship, imagine a lifetime of that. That's exhausting. No, thank you. So address it. If it's not remedied, get out. Number two. Anger and jealousy. Oh, I want to say this too in that situation. If you're in a relationship with someone and you realize that the other person loves you more than you love them, you've got to cut that person loose because it's not fair to that person. That's a lifetime of that for that person. That's not fair and that's not what God wants for us. Number two, anger and jealousy. And I'm talking about this consistently. Like we all have our bad days. We all get angry. We might get jealous. But if this is a consistent behavior, you've got to address it. And if it's not remedied, you got to get out. Because once again, you're thinking of this in terms of a lifetime of it, right? A lifetime of being married to a person who is angry, quick to anger, feeling like you're walking on eggshells all the time. It's exhausting and it's frightening and you don't want it. And a side note to this, if anyone ever puts their hands on you in anger, get out immediately. There's never, ever a reason for that. And that's not okay. It's not what God wants for you. Number three, deceit. There is never a reason to be dishonest with the person that you're with. Sometimes honesty can hurt that person, but in the long run, it's what's best. So if you see dishonesty as a pattern, you got to address it. And if it is a pattern of behavior, get out. <laughs> Save yourself from a lifetime of that. Because a lifetime of being with a person you can't trust, just imagine it. It's exhausting. So you guys are in a unique position at your age. I know some of you guys are in relationships. Some of y'all are in marriage. Um, but it's still pretty early on, and that's a real benefit uh, to the stage in life that you are in. It is so much easier to address these issues, to see them coming, um, before you find yourselves in them. Because when you're married to a person, your lives are like intertwined. Your families are joined. It's not just about the two of you anymore, it's your families. It is your friend groups, and if you have kids, well dang, right? It's about your kids too. 
So the more prep work you can do early on, before you even start dating somebody, before you get knocked over into a hole by love, the better off you're gonna be, honestly. Um, I can't stress it, I, I, really, I really can't stress it enough, and in hindsight, I feel like God was really watching out for me because I was knocked over by this one, and thank God he's a good person. <laughs> thank God he's a great person, and it's worked out for us. But um, these are the things that I would just really encourage you guys to, to be aware of in terms of those red flags. Um, I also want to talk about, this was Jeff's part, <clears throat> when you start dating somebody, it's really important for you to be open with them about where you're coming from, about your background and your family situation, right? And um, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, usually a mix of both. Jeff and I came from a similar family background, which was nice. That kind of made things a little bit easier for us. But I want to say this. I've said this here before in YA, and I don't think I can say it enough times. If you are coming from a difficult family situation, and you are looking to join your life with somebody else's, there is so much hope for you to create the relationship and the family that you've always wanted. Like, the pattern does not have to keep repeating itself. You can break that cycle. With Jesus' help and with Jesus' teachings, the center of your relationship, you can do that. It's possible. I am living proof of that. My mother had a terrible upbringing, alcoholism and violence. And when she married my dad, they made a commitment to build the kind of family that she always wanted and never had. And so my brother and I are the lucky beneficiaries of that. And I see it in my friends. Guys, pastor, pastors Cole and Wendy, they are very open about their family struggles. And look what they've created. A beautiful family um, that, they, that they always wanted to have. So it is absolutely possible. There is so much hope for that for you. But it's very important to be open about that. Um, I want to just throw these resources out. There's a book that keeps coming to my attention. The book is How to Get a Date Worth Keeping. Have you guys heard of this book? I'm a big book nerd. I've asked you guys, have you guys heard of this? I think I've heard about that book. Okay, well, thank, hey, thanks. Even if you haven't, thanks for that. Um, so How to Get a Date Worth Keeping, and it's by uh, Henry Cloud. I've never read it. I've heard about it. I've read about it, and I've read some of his other things, and I really like him. It's from a Christian perspective. And it, and it talks about, it's sort of the antithesis to the I kiss dating goodbye thing. He says, dating is, here he is. Hi. <laughs> well, I'm great. I'm just at YA. This is just preaching. <laughs> totally. I do want that. Based on me? Um, hey. <laughs> Just up here, bud. Just up here doing the thing. Um, so anyway, it's the antithesis of that. Come on, computer. Um, and so basically what he says is dating is necessary. And there's a way to do it intentionally and appropriately within the boundaries of what God has laid out for his people. But yes, God can bring you somebody one day. But also God has given you uh, a brain and tools right, that help you increase your odds of meeting somebody. And so I think it's been a really helpful tool for a lot of people. So if you are in the dating world, guys, I don't know what's happening here. Um, I'll tell you what I can do. I can put this on and at least get them on the audio. Um, I'm so sorry. So awkward. 
He's just really fun. <laughs> I just really think he'll enjoy. Hey, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> no, it's not great. Okay, are you um, are you in a place where you can talk for a second? Okay. You can see his face. Dad. <laughs> hey, Jeff. Hey, I just told them our whole dating history and how we got married and the first time I saw you. Do you want to share your first impressions of me? Yeah. <laughs> sure, put me on the spot. So, can you hear me okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the best speaker you guys have ever had. I noticed. Well, I can't. Uh, I, I can't hear super well. So you guys, you know, feel free to talk as much back as possible. Just his eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. So first time, our first impression of Ashley. So. So first off, uh, I was a senior in high school. Uh, she was uh, 18. Or no, sorry, she was 15. And uh, so yeah, I was, I was robbing the uh, cradle, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we, uh, uh, so first off, I remember, uh, so I'm going back a little bit, but summer before my senior year. So she was going into our sophomore year at, uh, at uh, the uh, Stillwater High School, and uh, and some friends I, I, that I was uh, hanging out with had a, a yearbook from the, the from their junior high. Oh, and nice! You what? I, I didn't know this. Oh, oh yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I told, told you this, but hey, confession time. So, <laughs> so uh, I remember, you know, they were introducing me because I asked them for all the, you know, to to uh, show me all the attractive young ladies from that were coming up into high school. And uh, you know, they they, uh, they they showed me Ash's picture, and I and I was like, "Who is that? You know, beautiful babe." <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, nice. So so that was the start. So then uh, when I saw her, I uh, of course you know I uh, she was friends with one of my best friends, uh, my girlfriends at the time, and, and I remember thinking, "Okay, you've got to set me up with that uh, that girl." And, uh, and then, you know, uh, on top of it, she was, you know, smartest, uh, just the, uh, the most, you know, amazing leader, you know, most amazing, uh, you know, Jesus follower, everything. And so, well, that's uh, not true. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the kindest, you know, strongest, awesome lady ever. And, uh, so that was the start. And it was great because she had her permit and because I was an <laughs> yeah. old man team, uh, she could drive with me. So. That was always fun too. So anyway, that was kind of the first impression. How's that? Okay. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. I didn't know that about the yearbook. That's funny. Hey, I'm going through your notes right now, and you were talking about um, bringing expectations to the relationship, and I want you to talk just for a minute um, about the enneagram. Woo! Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, maybe it, it has to do with like how you know we uh, 
uh, have blind spots because of the way we, we view things. So, so you know, as Ashley may have told you, I'm, I'm a hardcore one. Uh, I'm a one with a, a two wing, but that's probably like 99.9% one and 0.01% two. Um, and only one would say it like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. I only one talk like that. So, <laughs> I'm almost all robots. And, yes. Uh, yes. and so, you know, I think we tend to, so when, when we go into relationships, whether it's friends, whether it's colleagues, or, or you know, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, or, or marriage, we, uh, we typically, you know, um, we, we look at things kind of through our own lens, right? And, uh, and we, uh, uh, you, know, you know, so I tend to look at things very robotic. And, uh, and, and so it's just, you know, they're all variables, it's all data, and that kind of thing. And, and sometimes I, I might fail to see the emotional side of things, or I might, uh, I might uh, you know, uh, fail to, to see how things are perceived, and so and, and my expectations are based on probably two things. One is my experiences growing up, and, and how my parents did things, or how you know how I saw relationships like acted out as, as, at a young age. But uh, but also how my personality perceived things. So as one, you know, I see things as wrong or right, and it's, it's hard for me to see like gray areas. You know, um, so. For instance, once, you know, hate when other people load dishwashers. And so oh, yeah. uh, so I struggle whenever other people, not Ashley, but other people load dishwashers. Uh, yeah. I want to do it myself every time. And that's so, fine. That's fine. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, but I think it's like uh, with expectations, you know, we tend to bring our own, uh, you know, experiences and perceptions to relationships. And uh, it's really, you know, uh, we have to kind of think outside of, you know, how we perceive things and how uh, others perceive, you know, things. Because, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, my version of, of, you know, what's what I do right or what I do wrong really isn't important if, if Ashley perceives it, you know, a certain way. And so I, I need to be sensitive to that fact. Yeah. So I, so the Enneagram is a super helpful relationship tool for us. And I know some people are like, well, that sucks. But listen, it's been super helpful for us in terms of seeing the other person's perspective. Um, the five love languages has also been really helpful to us in our relationship. Um, <clears throat> Jeff has learned through the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram too, that I need to verbally process things. That guy hates that <laughs> but he gives me the grace and allows me to do it so that's just been a challenge for us Jeff is a very uh, he's an internal person and I'm much more external with my emotions and my words and my feelings so that's been a challenge um, that we've had to work through Jeff one more thing real quick because I, I don't know what you're doing um, but you also said this and I want to highlight it you said um, a relationship is like a plant <laughs> It's a good metaphor, and you said you've got to proactively care for it. How come? <laughs> All right, so you're putting me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> so I would say that you, uh, uh, it, I mean, it's like anything. If, you know, I think we've all seen, whether it's, it's friends, it's our own relationships, uh, uh, it's uh, parent 
use a, a plant as a, a metaphor. It's, you know, once, you know, once a plant is already dying, it's like, it's very hard to restore it, you know, back to, you know, back to health. And it's the same thing with any relationship, whether it's a friend or, but especially if it's a, you know, it's a, a marriage or, or a boyfriend girlfriend relationship, it, it, uh, you really have to proactively and, and very, you know, work very hard to be very careful. And so, you know, for us, that's like date nights, you know, it's, it's spending time, you know, even having kids, you know, go to bed, watching shows together, you know, talking about our days, you know, eating, you know, meals together as a family, like those types of things. And, and if you don't do that regularly, then as a, in a, in a marriage relationship, you, you know, you tend to become like, uh, like roommates, you know, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and you, you lose that. So, and then once it's to a certain point, yeah, no, that's exactly right. And sadly, you know, you guys have had, heard all the, the divorce rate is around 50%. And we now, <laughs> at our age, have seen that happen with a lot of our friends. Marriages who have turned into roommate situations because life, life comes and the relationship is neglected. And like he said, it's such a good analogy. Like when a plant is dying, it's really hard to nurse it back to health. And it's the same with relationships. You gotta keep investing, you gotta keep caring for it. Okay, Jeff, I'll let you go. But okay. I'm so glad we got to see Thanks, you. Jeff. Bye, 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 I know we're getting a little bit late, and that was super weird <laughs> to have Jeff on tiny screen. Perfect. Super it's perfect. eyeball. I like the ceiling. forehead. Wherever he is. I don't know. And like horns honking. Um, but I also want to say this too. If you find yourself in a relationship, and it's struggling, and you care about it, and you feel like this is the person that God is really wanting for you, and for your future, and for your life, I would encourage you guys there is no shame in involving a neutral third party. Like uh, premarital counseling is so important. It's so important. We went through it and I remember thinking, in the future, if we have issues, I will not hesitate. Because just to have someone who is neutral, who is not involved in it and tangled up in it is everything. Mm -hmm. um, just to give perspective. Um, that was one of Jeff notes, Jeff's notes as well. Um, yeah. I'm scrolling through his notes, scrolling through, scrolling through. Um, another thing that's been really important for us, he wants to highlight, is that we have both maintained a level of independence. We both have our common interests for sure, but we both have things that we are interested in just for ourselves. You know, both of us spend time with friends apart from each other, um, guys' nights, girls' nights, um, and that has been really really important for us as a couple to maintain that independence. You guys have seen couples that are very codependent. It's not healthy, right? You are individuals in a committed relationship. Um, one last thing I want to say is that marriage, uh, and, and we're back to marriage now. <laughs> um, marriage is not just a commitment. Marriage is a covenant relationship. And uh, it's a biblical relationship. 
Um, covenants are talked about all throughout the Bible. They are um, agreements that are made that include promises and commitments, and they're legal in nature, right? Um, they're binding. Um, so when you enter into one, you should enter into it with that mindset, right? That this is forever. Um, I want to say this too, romantic love is not enough to sustain a marriage. It is absolutely not enough to stay, sustain a marriage. Romantic love fades. There will be days when you do not like the person that you are with. There will be days when that person annoys you to no end, that you cannot have them in your sight. Um, yes, there will. There will be many. <laughs> but uh, that's why it's so important to have that commitment, that covenant, always at the center. To put uh, the relationship above your needs and feelings in the moment. Right? You can come back and address those later. You can circle back. But you always got to put that commitment and that covenant first. That's what God wants for his people. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah. I just wanted to um, close with that. That um, this, this relationship with this man, um, this marriage with this man, is one of the biggest blessings in my life. Aside from uh, meeting Jesus and, and making the decision to follow him, Jeff Engel was the best decision I've ever made. Um, I'm so grateful for him. It has been such a blessing for me. I would also encourage you guys that uh, maybe marriage is not in your future, and that's okay. Maybe you don't want marriage, and that's okay. Maybe family is not in your future, and you don't want that, and that's okay. And I would encourage you that if you are not completely in for the marriage covenant, don't get married, right? Because it's, uh, it's a very painful and difficult thing to break, and it's not what God wants for his people. So um, that was super awkward and like pieced together, but I want to open it up. If you guys have any questions, I don't know about what, um, maybe if not in this moment, maybe later. Jeff and I had couples who were farther along in their relationships pour into us, and so we are always down to talk, to have dinner, to answer any questions, to pray with you guys who are pursuing relationships. Jalen and Tamara came over one night for dinner. That was awesome. That was before you guys were married. Um, so yeah, do you guys have any questions for me? Our love story isn't super like crazy or exciting. It's uh, just. Well, I always wonder how you how do you balance like Jeff being away all the time? Because mm -hmm. he's if he yeah. Yeah, no, that's a super good question. <laughs> the answer is, I don't know. Um, no, I mean, it's just always been part of our relationship. Like, uh, I remember we got back from our honeymoon, and I, I was like, up, and I was like, I'm going to make breakfast, because I'm a wife now. And so I was making pancakes, and he came in the kitchen, and was like, well, I got to go. And I was like, ah, okay. But I knew, like, from the beginning, that he was going to travel a lot, and he just did. Um, we've been super lucky to have family living near us, you know, particularly with the kids. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just kind of our pattern. It's just kind of, you know, I know that Jeff is called to his current position, and it's just what we do. You know, and Jeff is the most present uh, husband and father, and it's crazy to me. Like, when he's here, he's here. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that about him, too. Yeah. That's not always easy, but it's just, it's just what we do. Yeah. When it came? Oh. Do what? I was just saying, phone calls and Exactly. We do a lot of awkward FaceTiming and with our kids or like in and out of the frame. When it came to kids, how much like did you know about that was going to happen or how much planning or like how much? Um, 
communication. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, but like as far as that process, yeah. How much of it did you guys know ahead of time? (laughs) I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we always knew that we wanted kids. Always, always. I've always felt the pull to become a mother. Um. I I got a really great one, and uh, I wanted to be what she is, what she was, and um. So I always knew that that was something that I wanted. So Jeff and I talked about that. Um, I come from a family of two, just Brandon, Brandon and I, and uh, Jeff is an only, and so we didn't know like how many. I was thinking two because that's what I was familiar with, but uh, we were married for almost six years before we had our first, and that was intentional. Like we really, um, for us, we really wanted that time together as a couple to stick BS, you know, and just sort of exist as the two of us. Uh, and I'm super grateful for that time. I was able to travel with him a lot and. Um, I don't know, just memories, you know? It's actually hard to remember life before kids at this point, honestly. Sometimes I can remind myself. But anyway. Um, but yeah, so we knew we wanted kids. We had Harrison after about six years. Um, and then uh, we, we knew we wanted to. Actually, after we had Harrison, Jeff was like, you know what? I'm good with one. Like, I'm an only. It's fine. I was like, no. So we had two, and then uh, and we kind of thought we were done, and then and then we had hope, and that was a blessed surprise. And I can't imagine life without her at all. But um, yeah, so they're all uh, Harrison and Asher. Our two boys are three years apart, just about, and then Hope and Asher are about two years apart. So yeah, they're just the best. They're the best. But having kids, guys, it's it's good. It's real good. Busy. We're in a real busy season. Like tonight, there were so many moving pieces. It's a wonder that I'm here. <laughs> Two set, both sets of grandparents are involved in this evening, yes. like helping with kids, yes. like getting people places. I know it's crazy. Anything else? Okay. Thank you guys so much. Sorry, it was weird. <laughs>